Learner's Corner Podcast. My name is Caleb Mason, and I am so grateful that you have decided to spend a few minutes of your day here with me in the Learner's Corner. And today I am honored to be joined by Mark Lau Branson and Juan Martinez to talk with them about their recently updated and revised book, Churches, Cultures, and Leadership, A Practical Theology of Congregations and Ethnicities. And we are in for a very fascinating and very fun conversation as well. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, or you just consider yourself to be a lifelong learner, please subscribe to my newsletter, my Substack, to where I give you just all of the things that I am currently learning from, from books to movies to uh, quotes that are making me think. Just ba- basically, it's just all of the things that I am learning from and the things that are making me think and whatever that thing is I just include on the list and so if this is your first time listening or whether or not you've been listening for a really long time you know the reason why we do this podcast is because we want to create a safe place to engage in difficult conversations to engage in uh, conversations that maybe you aren't able to find a place to where you can talk about these things because we want to have those conversations and engage in dialogue, whether or not we agree or not with someone completely, but we can have respectful and honoring dialogue as well. And whether or not we're talking about something very serious or something incredibly trivial, we believe that there is something that we can learn from everything. There's something we can learn from anything, regardless of what the subject matter is, and that we can learn something from everyone, no matter how different they are from us as well and the reason why we do this is because the reason why i do this is because someone did that for me and there may have been someone who did that for you and our job our i would even say that our responsibility is to pass that on to the next generation whether that be kids or whether that be the people that you are discipling or apprenticing or whatever, whatever language or developing whatever language you want to use, whoever that is, we have a responsibility to do that, to pass on what we learn, to pass on our history of the places that we even belong to. And so, you know, we're going to engage in in some of those, in some of in some of that today, of, of that passing on that leadership aspect of it today in my conversation with Mark and Juan. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the both of them, and then we will go right into the conversation. So Juan Martinez is professor of Hispanic studies and pastoral leadership in the School of Theology of Fuller Theological Seminary. Among other topics, his research focuses on the history of Latino Protestantism, Latino Protestant identity, ministry in Latino Protestant churches, Latino and Latin American Anabaptist and migration and transnational identity formation. Now, let me tell you about Mark. Mark is the Homer L. Goddard Senior Professor of the Ministry of the the Laity at Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, California, where he teaches courses in congregational leadership and community engagement. He was ordained at San Francisco Christian Center, an African-American Pentecostal church, and has served on the pastoral teams in the United Methodist and Presbyterian Churches. He has worked with several Christian agencies active in education, community community development, 
university ministry and community organizing. He has graduate degrees from Claremont School of Theology and the University of San Francisco. And he's a consultant with the Missional Network and on the editorial board of the Journal of Missional Practice. And they are he is also an author of several books and the co-author of the recently updated book, which we're going to be talking about, which is Churches, Cultures, and Theology, a Practical Theology of Congregations and Ethnicities. And without any further wait, here is our conversation. Well, Mark and Juan, it is so good to have you both on the Learner's Corner podcast today. Hey, Caleb. Yeah, and, you know, just as we're getting started, you know, one of the places that I love to start with is anytime that I talk with somebody who has created a work of art or a book or anything like that, I love hearing the story behind it because, you know, it's usually tied to our own personal journeys at at least at some point. And so, Juan, I would just love... Um, to hear the story behind churches and cultures and leadership and what you guys got, or how do you guys got involved in working on it? Yeah, and as one digs into that, he'd ask me to mention that he deals with some aphasia. Um, a few years ago, I had a pretty significant uh, brain uh, aneurysm. So you'll notice that in his pacing. And at times, he's also signaling me to interrupt and fill things out. We're used to this, and we're glad the audience can understand that. Yeah, great. Juan, do you want us uh, want us get us or want to get us started with the story behind churches and cultures and leadership? Well, we um, uh, uh, were in uh, Fuller, and we had uh, we were t- taught uh, we were teaching there, and uh, we were asked to t- teach a course on uh, diversity and and churches, and we uh, find out that there weren't many books. And so we were, uh, we were uh, starting with uh, our, our, our students as guinea pigs. We were uh, starting a book and we were happy, uh, we were happy to, uh, to uh, write it at a book with the students. And the book, it, the book that you were having from, from, from us, it's really one one that um, we 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 wrote for the book for the class, and um, really it also uh, started with how God uh, worked in us to get to this book. So you will you will find in the book our testimony. You will find how God had worked in us, how God had uh, worked in Mark in his diverse uh, experiences as an ordained pastor uh, from African-American, as he, uh, uh, as he um, married a Chinese um, wife, as he uh, worked in Peru. Um, in mine, well, my parents were um, 
pastors in uh, in amongst uh, um, Mexican American farm workers. Yes, and that was that was where I was formed. I was formed, and and in that I was formed um, to be a pastor. I was formed amongst that um, that uh, community. I was formed to be a pastor, to be a, a person that I uh, uh, taught uh, in that community. And in that community, and I told you that I was a, a Mennonite, I, and I went to um, the Mennonite Seminary in Fresno. And from that, I, I got to uh, Guatemala to help in a seminary that is there. And the Lord um, got me to uh, to form me uh, to uh, teach. And that's how I got into Guatemala, uh, 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 to seminary at uh, Fresno, at, uh, at, uh, Fuller. at Fuller. And so that's how, that's how Mark and I got to be uh, that, um, to get that uh, assignment. And so that was how I got. Uh, so God had me uh, to be uh, uh, a patch, pastor amongst uh, Mennonite, uh, amongst, uh, uh, what the, uh, amongst farm workers and amongst uh, people that, what that um, came to uh, to to uh, as uh, as uh, immigrants to to uh, what the, to here to the United States, and that's how uh, I got to uh, what to uh, Fuller through all of that, and that's how we got to this book. Awesome, and so. That's uh, that's that's what the 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 book tells you a little bit about uh, how we got yeah. there. That's great. Yeah, I I just love hearing about that stuff because it just adds it adds context and even like more power behind the words. Whenever you get to hear the story behind it, uh, Mark, you know one of the or a couple of the ideas that you guys talk about in the book is you talk about praxis and practical theology. And you specifically talk about how it relates to one of the one of the big ideas all throughout the book, which is a, is an ethnicities and intercultural life, and how that intersects with the church and everything. Would you mind kind of unpacking what praxis and practical theology is, and how that applies throughout the book? Sure. the um, The challenge that um, the seminary needs to face, pastors need to face, has to do with how our churches. Um, particularly in the United States that we're addressing, <clears throat> are dealing with context in which various cultures are living either among each other or near each other. And our churches historically have not dealt well with that. Um, even when there has been an increased attention and even sometimes an increased skin tone variety in a church, white normativity is still usually there. Mm -hmm. Churches tend to have a single cultural expression. Um, many of these churches do care about the racism in our country, the injustices, the disparity, or migration challenges. Um, and there are certain frameworks that are used to address 
justice issues or to address um, racism and this. And even where there's preaching against that, what Juan and I were aware of is there's ways that we're verbalizing issues of race and racism, which we really believe is important and we even ramped up on. But often the places we're missing each other are more culturally oriented rather than race oriented. Hmm. By which I mean there's certain characteristics, how we understand time, how we understand relationships, how we understand leadership. These issues aren't necessarily rooted in injustice, but they are rooted in how we just miss each other because we've been formed differently by our cultures. And so that's that was the take. We were among friends who are writing and still write incredible books on race and racism and how to challenge it. And we actually do some introduction to that in our book. Um, but we were after the more difficult issue of how do you go through change that allows for greater diversity culturally where we're fully hearing and mutually engaged together. And so PT and Praxis became two key, as you picked up, become mm -hmm. two key frameworks. So we would say, first of all, start theologically. Is God an agent or not? Mm -hmm. By which we mean, is God doing anything? Is, did God just a couple thousand years ago give us some good instructions, holy and good, but quit talking at that point? Uh, does the Holy Spirit keep whispering in our ears? Or is God actually on the ground in our neighborhood doing something? And so we affirm that. Not all of our readers are going to buy that. But you just need to know that's our first point. Yeah. Because that's key to understanding uh, praxis and practical theology. So if God's on the ground, still acting, and it's consistent with the teachings of Scripture, then our work is to discern and participate in God's activities. That's what practical theology is all about. The core PT is to discern what God's initiating and to participate. Mm. Praxis is a way we do that because all praxis is, is saying that we learn in the context of acting and reflecting. So we're in the community. We're praying about seeing God. God shows us things. We then experiment with activities and those either get confirmed or waylaid, right? So praxis is discipleship. It's action, reflection, learning of a whole community. And the PT cycle then gives us different lenses to see. And so not only does the Bible help us see things, but social sciences help us see things. Good novels or good movies mm -hmm. help us see things. Um, but also stories, getting testimony and story and first-person accounts from people. So a PT mode, the cycle that we express in the book, includes all of those avenues so that leaders help a congregation um, through these different lenses, get better at discerning and participating with what God is doing already ahead of us in the world. Mm. That's so good. Feel free to push any of this. No, that's the shortest I think I've ever done that. No, I, I, I absolutely love that idea because before, uh, before the role that I was in right now, I was a missions director and I was a missions pastor for it. And I absolutely love what you're talking about because at least for me, in my experience, that takes. Like we don't get me wrong, we still have a responsibility to be active in the community, but it just took the pressure off of me because it's like God is all like I'm not bringing God to wherever place that I'm going. He's already moving there. He's already doing things. All all of that. I love it so much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's actually often harder work, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Practice to develop tactics and strategies. Yeah. We're not as practical at discerning what God's doing 
among our neighbors. Yeah. Well, and, and even to that, it means that sometimes we have to set aside our own ideas too of what we think God should yes. be doing. And God's like, no, I'm, this is how I'm moving. Get, you know, get on board or don't. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's, that's hard. Yeah. That's hard because uh, we are in churches. We have uh, ways of thinking. We have ways of uh, looking at uh, the church, uh, ways of looking at uh, uh, mission, ways of looking at how God has been in uh, in our neighborhood, in our church. And that that is hard mm -hmm. to wipe all that off and now say, we're going to look at uh, all of what uh, the church, the mission, how are we going to look at uh, the neighborhood, all of that is hard work because we have my my head is no this is the way this is the way we have uh, done uh, this and that's what about that's what our our book is about is about getting our head around that in mm and -hmm. uh, our church our uh, our way of looking at that culture and way of looking at what we are doing mm. and so that is hard so once it's noting how we've got habits as you said about ways to think and see and act mm -hmm. breaking habits is one of the hardest human things to do mm -hmm. and so we're aware that even as people read our book we see this with our students they still come right back to saying give us a strategy tell us how to do it and we're saying you haven't read the book we're saying God's doing something in your neighborhood. Do you have a clue about what God's doing? And as Juan says, that's breaking some habits that are hard to break. Yeah. You know, Juan, you mentioned the the challenges that can come from it, particularly as it sometimes can be how we how we tend to view leadership and how we've been shaped mm -hmm. by that. And you guys talk about that so much in the book. Would you mind unpacking kind of what that looks like and how we've been shaped by some of our current understandings of leadership? Well, uh, we are we have looked at leadership from the way of uh, a culture has uh, a concept of what leadership is. Mm -hmm. a, a concept comes from how... Uh, how we are formed because the, uh, the concept is we control. We tell the people, this is the way it is. And that is what uh, leadership is about. It, it, um, it's about how we, how we do leadership in the, in the culture, in the, in the, in uh, all the way. So our concept of leadership is, I'm supposed to do, I'm supposed to tell the people, here's the way. And that's the way a pastor is supposed to do. We are, uh, we are look at, um, at uh, corporations that sell commodities, that sell services. And we looked that that's the way the church is supposed to do. The church is supposed to uh, sell what? The gospel. The church is supposed to sell all the the things that the church is supposed to sell, and then that's the way we think about uh, mission. We are supposed to go out. We're supposed to tell the, tell people this is the 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 
the um, the way we're supposed to tell the people and we're supposed to form the church. So we go out, we get, we sell the, sell the gospel, we sell the concept, and that's the way, that's the way, uh, you know, McDonald's does it. That's the way in any of them. We are supposed to sell the, the good, the goods. And we have that concept in how we're supposed to do the church. And so each one of us comes from, from, uh, uh, from, uh, um, uh, this, uh, um, uh, uh, the, um, the denominations and our our work, the denomination from seminaries, from all the type of thing, and we are told this is the way we're doing, and we're not told go into the go into the uh, the the area where you're supposed to um, preach, and and um, and we're supposed to learn from the people. We're supposed to learn from the the neighborhood. We're supposed to learn from what God is doing here. That's not the way. And that's what we um, we tell in, in the gospel, in the book. We're supposed to look at the what is God doing here? And that's hard. Mm -hmm. Juan's comment on denominations, it's been interesting to us as we've learned from our students that on one hand, denominations have had certain organizational structures to get things done. Mm -hmm. But then we've had this abundance of non-denominational churches and you can't tell them apart, right? Yeah. I mean, they're they're all just as much inside a particular narrative of how to organize, how to create authority, how to market programs, mm -hmm. how to solve, let's say we need more non-whites in the church. What are the ways that we can attract, which is all about marketing and sales. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot of difference denominationally, non-denominationally on how, how embedded cultural US modern uh, corporations are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting point because, you know, for, for people who are inside, you know, inside the denomination, outside of the domination, they'd probably say that, oh, no, we're very different. <laughs> yeah, we hear that. Yeah. Then we read the paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or we both are involved in a lot of consulting work. Yeah. yeah. No, don't, don't kid yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And that all comes from the way we have formed the church from uh, history, mm -hmm. the, the history we saw how the 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 church has framed from uh, from uh, uh, the from a the uh, uh, the, the um, early nations. Yeah, I mean the, the denomination came from from Europe. Uh, from um, uh, the, the 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 Roman Roman uh, how they structured and that's how we structured the the, the, the denominations mm -hmm. and that's what we did and that's how how we we frame the the denominations how we frame the church and here we are so one of the things that we've we've picked up on from that. So as Juan says, predict, manage, control is kind of the corporate way to solve things, mm -hmm. whether it's to sell Coke or run a hotel or to even social services. And we ought to be 
good and strategic at healthcare, at um, building homes, mm. all that stuff. We need we need that. But when it comes down to practical theology and doing theological work with God, then you lead with discernment. And we shaped the leadership triad, what we called it, mm -hmm. that rather than predict, manage, control, that leadership is about interpretive leadership, relational leadership, and and more of the um, uh, how do you then actually get things done, mm -hmm. uh, implemental leadership. So interpretive leadership helps a group get better capacities to interpreting what God's doing, what's going on in their community, who's doing what. It's helping us see and connect that with scripture and other resources. Relational leadership is building bonds of collaboration, mutuality, love, justice. And implemental leadership takes that and then actually gets it on the ground. Mm -hmm. Here's how we're going to act because of what we're understanding and how we're relating. So we use that triad as an alternative to the corporate predict, manage, control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you also talk about the role that Bible studies often play in that and discerning what how God is active in the community and in the, in the surrounding neighborhoods. Can you mm -hmm. unpack that a little bit more, Mark? Um, I can get started. Probably Juan's got his favorites, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, throughout the book, one of the things we changed was we had Bible studies in every chapter in the first edition. And we became aware that often those Bible studies when people are reading a book, they don't take time to do the Bible study. They just keep reading. Mm -hmm. And the theological, biblical work for us is essential. You can't really be tracking with us if you're not engaging that. Mm -hmm. So we shifted that from just being discussion questions to being exposition plus discussion. Mm -hmm. And so, for instance, in Acts 16, um, Paul's on the second missionary trip, and Luke is reporting on it, and they keep trying roads and getting stopped by the Holy Spirit. We went this way, Spirit said no. Went this way, the Spirit of Jesus said no. So you're getting this disruptive approach to discipleship, which most of us would say, what a waste of time. Mm -hmm. Where Juan and I are saying, that's just normal. Yeah. Discernment always means you're testing, you're experimenting, you're improvising, and you're getting stopped. Mm. And then as soon as you think you might be in the new place, Troas, God may throw a dream in. And then you get your whole group gets reoriented again. Mm -hmm. And then instead of a synagogue, you find Lydia with a group of women by a river. And in fact, that's what God wanted the engagement to be. So there's so many disruptive elements there that would have never worked in any mission agencies or churches missions committee. Mm -hmm. But that's the kind of learning we're wanting. We're wanting the readers to have so that now when you're out in the community and something's going on, you think, okay, this looks familiar. This is what we saw with Paul and his gang. This is what we saw with Lydia. Mm -hmm. So that, so the Bible isn't giving us strategies and steps. The Bible's giving us seeing so that when in fact we see God or there's some disruption, we have a narrative that matches that clarity. Mm -hmm. And we get that in uh, Luke chapter yeah. four, where, God, where God's in the synagogue, or Jesus in the synagogue uh, announcing the gospel. And uh, we note that the gospel is for the Gentiles and for the Jews. And that theme uh, for, uh, in Jesus and in the and in uh, uh, Luke is, is that concept, concept. We are looking at a, a new paradigm. 
and Jesus is giving us a new paradigm. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, that, that synagogue didn't like that too much. Yeah, that's that's why they um, they and they wanted to uh, uh, pre, they, they wanted to um, uh, well, toss him off the hillside on that one. Yeah. And and that's the way we are supposed to look. We're supposed to look at the gospel that way. The gospel is about uh, um, Jesus and God in, in, in taking us a, a new way. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's about, the gospel, what the gospel is about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in that case, because they couldn't, they wanted the gospel, we talked about Isaiah's proclamation gospel. They just didn't want it shared, which meant they lost Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, and they didn't want to share it in, uh, in, in, uh, in, uh, uh, with, with the, uh, with the women. Mm -hmm. They didn't want the women to have a, 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 a um, of a full role, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, somebody like Lydia was in the in in the mix of the of the gospel, and that was just breaking the rules. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want the people to read in the, in the gospel. Mm -hmm. Jesus is, and uh, God is uh, is calling us to see the gospel mm -hmm. and see the gospel as as preached this way mm -hmm. you know uh just as i was talking i just thought of this question that i would love your guys's thoughts on and juan you you sparked it by telling that story of of jesus is um you know at some point probably in this work we're going to meet resistance from somebody who has their own ideas. Maybe it's the leadership structure, maybe whatever the purpose is, we're going to meet resistance in it. I'd love to hear what you guys have learned. Could be, could be through the Bible study or even just through the other, um, through, through your own experiences and listening to other experiences about how to handle those times when we do experience, um, resistance and Mark, maybe we can start with you and then Juan, if you have any, any thoughts, you can jump in there, too. Um, so are you thinking about resistance in the church itself? You know, that that's a good point. I, I imagine that it could probably come from both, couldn't it? <laughs> both inside and outside. Yeah, I've seen most of the time, I've, I've seen most of the time, if there's resistance in the community, it's generally because the church isn't acting like the church. Mm. Um so if if our say is as a white person, and it's been a long time since I've been in a Anglo majority church, but mm -hmm. I can I do visit them a lot. Yeah, and um, often there's a sense of okay, we don't have enough people of color here. We need to go get them, right? Mm -hmm. So what it means to be the church is to get more of them to be more like us. Mm -hmm. And first of all, that framework is really a problem, right? Yeah. Um, it's, first of all, why not join a, another church? Why not have, you know, shut yours down and just go to the black and Latino and Asian and Native American churches around you and maybe be discipled for a while. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure very many readers take us up on that, but we have seen increasingly our students spend time with that. 
Mm. As Juan mentioned, my own ordinations at a Black Pentecostal church, which came out of years of work in San Francisco and Oakland. And obviously that's just life changing. Mm -hmm. It changes the way of God, the way I relate to the world. Um, my family is shaped by that. So anyway, part of it is we, the assumptions we make as we enter this question offer what limit, how far we can go. Mm -hmm. um, so inside churches, I can think of one church that I was doing a lot of consulting work with, and there was kind of this, there were a number of people in the church that really said, okay, we want to spend more time in the neighborhood. We want to pray. We want to see God. We want to develop relationships. As they started doing that, more neighbors started showing up. Mm -hmm. And over a period, I'd say in this church of 100 on a Sunday morning, over a period of two years, there were at least 200 visitors. Mm -hmm. But as we talked with those visitors after they didn't keep coming, consistently they would say, we can tell we would always be guests. Mm -hmm. So it would never, we never belong, we would only be guests. Now this church didn't want to learn from that. See, that's the thing, if, you, if you're ready to hear that, yeah. if you're ready to shift how and what you're doing and who's doing what, there's an incredible gospel lesson there. But most of the time, the lessons are along that line. of If they can fit in, they're really welcome. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, they're kind of guests, and we're glad they're here because we look a little better with them around here. Mm -hmm. And so the resistance has to do, again, back to Juan's comments on habits. We are so habituated to certain ways of being church we may dress up the music and the and the and the, and the uh, Sunday lunch a little bit, but it comes to how we make decisions, how we handle emotions, how we do communication throughout the midsection of the book, which is mainly Juan's work. Mm -hmm. Each one of these chapters explores a different sociocultural way of being that we misunderstand each other on, mm. and and. All of the adapting is assumed it's going to move toward white normativity. Mm -hmm. And of course, what we're saying is, put that down. This has to do with dying. This has to do with being uncomfortable and claiming discomfort as a norm mm -hmm. and learning new ways of life. One of the questions for any church that's having about a, a, some significant change in skin hue would be, who's in whose homes? Mm -hmm. uh, who's doing recreation together? Who's playing together? Who's vacationing together? But it really often is who's in whose home? Who are you invited and who do you invite? That's far an expression of mutuality uh, than a lot of other, um, say, the, the mix on Sunday mornings, for mm. instance. So the barriers have to do with these habits. And I, at least normally, one, and I don't claim it's meanness, although we see that too. Mm -hmm. But it's, that's not the norm. It does just have to do with not being able to get beyond our normal way of doing things. Mm. Mm. In some of the churches that I have seen, uh, the kitchen was one of the norms. Okay. Because the the, the churches that came together, their their uh, their food was smelling. So the food, if somebody came into the kitchen and and uh, bring their food, it smelled the the it smelled the food smelled. And it wasn't, uh, wasn't white normity. It was, uh, uh, it was um, uh, Korean. Normative. Yeah, the kimchi it tends was. to be one of the stories we hear a lot about. Yeah, yeah, it, it, kimchi. Tea smells. Mm -hmm. uh, the white, the normity with uh, 
Hispanic food. It smelled, and it smelled for the uh, the people that controlled the kitchen. And so that that was the way that you you could tell what was going on. Is okay. Who 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 um, who controlled the kitchen? And that was that that was one of the um, the issues. And that also, for example, in uh, in uh, in in, uh, in churches that are Hispanic, was the the kitchen was smelling like from El Salvador? Was it smelling like uh, from from uh, um, Chile, Cuba, Chile? <laughs> Um, from you know, it, it was smelling. They were bringing their food, and it controlled. It con that was the control that the uh, that the people that uh, ho uh, um, hold the, the the keys. They wanted the kitchen to smell like uh, ours, mm -hmm. and that was one of the one of the issues amongst. This was now a Hispanics. Hispanics had now they who controlled amongst Asians who controlled, and then when 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 people came from uh, from all over, then who controlled the the white Normandy, the the uh, Hispanics, the uh, Asians who controlled, and that. That was one of the uh, the one that was it, uh, the community that controlled the kitchen. That was where it it all of this came uh, in in clashes. Yeah, that gets down to how power works, and it it is different in different cultures. And once also getting at another critical thing here that we we work on, race in itself is not an especially um, um, effective sorting tool. Um, we've got to deal with race and racism as we do, but the cultural dis differences are far more complicated than the four races on the U.S. Census track uh, forms. So for instance, Juan's church is a very diverse Latino church. Uh, they've got some African-Americans from neighborhoods, some mixed race marriages, but the, diver the profound diversity is Chilean, Mexican, other Central American, Portland, um, and and those distinctions for you know most of those of us European Americans outside we think oh they're all Latinos, um, but they're dealing with their own, and need to be led well to deal with their own cultural distinctives, um, and that's true inside Asian churches it's true inside white churches. So we're not saying don't don't claim that's enough just to deal with inside your own race. We still want to push beyond that, um, but those distinctions also often. Um, are needing work to get to where there's real mutual love and, and being able to identify what God is doing. You know, I want to go back to something that you mentioned, Mark, because it was such, it was such a powerful statement. You talked about um, the, the people who attend the church and they said, we could never be more than guests in this, at this church. What would you say to the church, to the church leaders, whoever, who gets that feedback and they're like, we don't want it to be that way. We want to do better than that. 
what what would you and both of you both of you are welcome to you know speaking of this mark maybe we could start with you and then juan you could give your thoughts as well what would your advice be to that church um again there's no tactics for this right um we use a um a triangle in addition to our leadership triad we use the church formation triad just as a way to see mm-hmm. to help the church church leaders church participants see and what we want them to see are the dynamics of what it means to be formed as a church um and so we and we use the triad of missional formation spiritual formation congregation formation so what we're saying there is that as a congregation how are you being formed to pay attention to each other Mm. in love and mutuality and diffusion of gifts and submission and leading and all those dimensions of the relational life inside the church how are you being formed to see and participate with god that's spiritual formation spiritual formation isn't just about certain activities, prayer, Bible study, mm-hmm. singing, communion, those things, those are all really important. But how are you, but, but they're not doing their work if we're not being formed to see God and participate with God. That's what spiritual formation is. And missional formation is about living life in a community where God's already ahead of you living mm-hmm. and inviting you to join. So how, how do you work with a congregation on all three areas of formation? Um, this is not easy. This is what discipleship is. Mm-hmm. Discipleship's often seen as work through this workbook and try these practices and be a nice person. Da da da. Be, you know, do your volunteer work. Um, discipleship is the capacity to on the ground always be learning with God, who is active, with a church that is active in God's mission, and so. What kind of leadership does it take to develop a church attending to, participating with each other in love and mutuality, attend to God, attend to neighborhood? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're starting off with some deep cultural, racial biases in a church, you're a decade away from mm-hmm. um, being able to have, be able to see significant differences. But you can still have, and it usually happens at the margins, the stuff you can't preach people into these changes. Jesus, yeah. Jesus and Nazareth tried that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and about got thrown off the cliff. So the, the hard work, work, you know, what's the spirit currently doing in your congregation? Is God already active on some edges with some of your members? What are they doing? How are they doing it? How do you spread those testimonies inside the church? Um, so it's action reflection. We're back to the first question you had. It's action reflection learning mm-hmm. in the midst of God's initiatives, um, far more than tactics or curriculum or anything else. Mm-hmm. And so over the long haul, usually in partnership with other churches or other often Christian agencies near you or other voices that help you tell these stories, uh, maybe a coach, um, I've often been involved, uh, Juan's often been involved in coaching churches through these kind of changes, and it's long and uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and you will lose people who just don't want to go for the ride. Um, but all of that kind of formative work that takes energy and attention is, uh, and you see this among the early church. Mm-hmm. I mean, how long did Peter take to get reformed around his cultural biases? 
I mean, years. Yeah. So, so your question is not one of give me a strategy. We're saying, how do we live into this differently? Yeah. And if and it, even that takes paying attention to where God's already initiating this for you. Yeah. Juan, do you have any uh, thoughts that you want to add to what Mark said? I I really, I really don't want to talk about our church. Yeah. Because <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah. Uh, our, this podcast may get to to our people, but uh, our church uh, uh, rent uh, angle church, and it and we talked about this, and we talked about how, and we talked about how we uh, we did it, and we rented from that church, and we from the were from the same denomination, and. We couldn't do it. Tried for 20 years. Yeah. And couldn't do it. And because they, they saw us, us as renters. And this is, and once they saw us as renters, they didn't, they didn't uh, want us to be a people that uh, with when, with, with who they wanted to saw, see this. And see us uh, come together, and like like uh, Mark said, they, this uh, this t uh, took us twenty years, mm. and it it didn't didn't, and it went through uh, four pastors, five pastors from the church in the white church, and no, it did it, it, it we rented. Rented and talked about it, and that's where we that's where we started. So sad, and now there was this partnership possible, and it just was never accepted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we're now looking for a, a place where we can rent, because this is not this is not going anywhere. If I understand right, Juan, if uh, you or Pablo was saying that there's an African American church that is inviting you to be, yeah, okay, renters, but more than renters, real partners yes. in the community. And, and they want to be a partner in the community. And that's where we want to go, it looks like. And the white church was not, uh, they, they wanted our money, but they were, did not want our, our strategy. They didn't want to come to come uh, to, to community. And one of the uh, 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 People from the denomination came to us and came to them. Let's clean this up. No, they, they didn't want that. And this is from from the denomination. So they didn't want it. So what you're asking, Caleb, is is right. There there really are barriers to this, mm -hmm. and often we just have to walk away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's and that's the way we uh, we went uh, to to uh, other denominations we went to this church we went to a lot of a lot of places but we said what's the point what's the point of uh, giving this church uh, um, 10,000 5,000 um, to uh, rent the church if we're not doing anything um, uh, anything that we uh, want to do hmm. and so this is yeah, it. it. It honestly, 
you guys have just got me thinking of uh, so many biblical examples, but it makes me think of whenever Jesus, I think it's whenever he sends out the 72 and he tells them, you know, where you're accepted, stay there. But when you do not find acceptance, you know, kick, kick the dust off of your feet and everything and just have nothing to do with them. Hmm. Yep. Yep. And that's hurt. That is uh, something that um, is hurtful to us, to our church. But here we are. We and but we have to go through. We've been through that with our own churches. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And that's our church. So don't say that in the in the podcast. <laughs> okay. We won't name the churches. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so let me just, so you do want me to cut that or you don't want me to cut that? No, no, just, uh, just joke. I, okay. Okay. I'm just, Hey, okay. I, and I, I'm at a church now that's a very, well, it's Latino roots. It's an incredibly culturally diverse church mm -hmm. that really does more than other churches I've been involved in live in the neighborhoods, including partnership. Uh, in fact, with the African-American church where, Juan's Church now has a new um, growing partnership. Hmm. So we are seeing, while we've got the horror stories um, or the churches that have the hues but not the real cultural diversity, mm -hmm. uh, we're seeing some other ways that God really is leading, initiating on this. Hmm. And it's really been amazing to watch the shape of that. Hmm. That's great. You know, Juan. And yeah. I, I, can, I can name a good uh, Hispanic church that is... Um, in, in uh, Los Angeles that is uh, um, crossing the bridge. And so it's not, this is not about things that have not happened. It's about, about it happening. So uh, that's what I want to say. It does happen. Yeah. And, and we can name good churches yeah. where that ha that happening. And we don't want to to uh, say to the people that's hearing this broadcast that it's it, it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. It does happen. So much the basic is just this, you know, do you really want to live in the midst of God's mission in your neighborhood? Mm -hmm. Is that a place you want to live? Is that something, to me, that's just such a privilege, so exciting. Yeah. Um, and so we can help members of our church. And again, it's often those on the fringes of the congregation. Mm -hmm but do that and tell their stories. The spirit will work, work with that through the congregation. Mm. Yeah. You know, Juan, one of the things uh, that really stood out to me from the book was you guys talk about the importance of paying attention to the, your neighborhoods and your networks as well, as it pertains to this mm. um, missional idea and, um, and everything. Would you mind uh, kind of talking about kind of what that looks like and how that, plays out as well. Hmm. Well, this church that I was uh, um, talking about, they have uh, networks in Fuller. They have networks in, this, in, in all the places around uh, in the city. They have networks amongst uh, um, um, all a whole lot, a lot of churches and a whole lot of uh, networks in the city, and they're just kind of. This is where I w we want to be. 
this is this is how they want they want to be and the the pastor is giving uh the 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 uh uh the his the um 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 oh come on holiness come on yeah um, the, the youth the youth who have a lot of uh a lot of um of uh got their own connections yes they have connections within the neighborhood within the uh, within um the, the the whole lot of places and they said hey can we do this and the the, the pastor said go for it mm -hmm. and can we can we uh can we do this yes. this a is a pastor, the church instead of just getting everybody to come run our programs what yeah. his pastor and all their leaders do, they're saying be involved out in the community, yeah. schools, other contexts. And that then leads you to be able to, again, if you're teaching people to see what God's up to, the youth are learning that. So in their own environments, they're learning, okay, we think God's doing something over here. Huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's go try this. And so the yes. church is permitting that and inviting it. Yeah, so this church, the pastor invites the youth who are very much um, a part of of uh, the connections within within the the neighborhood and connections within uh, the cultures of the of the of the, of the uh, church, and so he 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 gives them uh, uh, the the space for them. To, to go and do all the things that they uh, they look at their neighborhood and say, uh, let's look at this, let's look at this, let's look at that, and they go for it. One of the things we've seen, um, we use both those concepts. So often church people think neighborhood is just the neighborhood around the church, which does matter. We don't think mm -hmm. church location is an accident to God. But often in America, um, location isn't a place of roots. It's just a place of convenience and strategy, mm -hmm. right? So plant your church by freeway exit and freeway entrance. Yeah. It's all about, again, corporate, that's more around what a shopping center is than investing in who lives next door. Um, and so on one hand, your church does have neighbors, but also the members of your church have neighbors. Mm -hmm. And how many of them do they know? We do an ex uh, experiment at times in class and in our consulting work, where we say, draw a sketch of the of the blocks around you, draw the houses, and put the first names on any that you know, and then indicate those where you've been in something other than the front side. There, God is not a passive lover. God's loving actively in your neighborhood. Are you a part of that? And so it's the neighborhoods. Often we've found in our own church, we've learned there's four neighborhoods, locations that seem to be clusters within half a mile or so of our members. Hmm. So, and some of these are not, you know, they're 15 minutes away from our church or more. And so we're saying, spend time just in those, you know, walking your blocks and talking together about what God's doing. And that's shifting their understanding of, Okay, we're not just church members because we're on a committee. Mm -hmm. We're living with God in this context also. And then should you be involved in some of the networks there? 
Um, both ones in my church have had have been networked with Black Lives Matter, with Asian Americans Preventing Hate, with these other organizations in different locales, which helps us again to see better what God's doing mm. and to be develop relationships, which often Christians aren't always especially good at just knowing how to have a conversation with a neighbor. So those are the skills we're hoping to foment. And in this, the, the church I, I was uh, uh, referring to, they have uh, a, um, developed relationships with the church, with black, uh, black churches in the neighborhood. And just say, okay, what can we do? What can we do for this, for the area that we are working? And how can we uh, deal with the, the, the places where we, we are living? And so that can be, that can be done. Mm -hmm. But that uh, can be done uh, um, with a lot of uh, hate, with a lot of um, uh, white normativity, with a whole lot of uh, 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 um, the conflict of old um, habits. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it happens. Mm -hmm. And so I, I want to say that it happens. And that's what the book is about. It happens. You know, I'd love so to. After developing new practices and habits that kind of break through that. Mm -hmm. You know, how we've, we've talked about it, but I don't know if I've directly asked about it. Like if you're wanting to learn more and you, I guess you, you talked about this some too, Mark. Uh, if you're wanting to learn more about your community and where God is active in it, how does someone go about doing that? Like if it's like, it's, it's like you're at stage zero or like you haven't really done anything at all. Like, how do you go about starting that? So you'll hear me do, you know, start with my normal, this isn't that. Yeah. So I'm not wanting this to be tactics, yeah. right? Yep. If, um, if there's really a heart desire among the church of saying, of really ready to be humbled learners, mm -hmm. being ready to have our lives, uh, for there to be new discomforts yeah. and for it to be something more than I can put five minutes into. Yeah. Um, then there are important, and these are all classic Christian practices of how do you love your neighbor? How do you listen to scripture? How do you listen to God? Um, just some basics like that. Do you know migrants and immigrants in your community? Do you know people working among immigrants? Um, where can you have a conversation? So like I said, in three different sites, um, within 15 minutes or so, we found clusters of our church members. And we're only 50 on a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. We're not a large church. Um, but those three or four or five families in a neighborhood have started more intentionally, more frequently walking their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, dogs are helpful for this if you happen to have a dog. Um, but there's before they walk, they're saying, God, show us what you want us to see. Mm. Let us hear what you want us to hear. If you want a conversation, show us the conversation. Mm -hmm. So part of it is, is if you want to see God loving your neighbors, you have to be out in your neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Um, or inside civic organizations too, and we'd say do both. Yeah. But then in the midst of that, have places where you can tell what's happening. So those communities, those small groups of church members now, 
uh, once a month got together both to read scripture together but then to tell their stories this is traditionally this is called testimony yeah it's just saying have you seen god what do you think you saw god doing this is paul's team saying we think god wants us over there well that didn't work okay we're in troas let's have a mission agency here well here's a dream we don't think so so the is 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 your prayer t- talking to god it is also listening is your time in your neighborhood more than driving in the driveway? Is it listening? Mm-hmm. Um, and then how do you sort through that? So um, so prayer, listening, walking, loving your neighbor, planting gardens, building houses, all of these things that we find in scripture mm-hmm. are just the normal ways of being God's people on the ground. Mm-hmm. In a whole lot of neighborhoods, people are, are selling tacos, are selling food, and selling uh, coffee, and when are you there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Civic life, mm-hmm. neighbor life. No. Yep. Mm-hmm. When, when are you in the uh, neighborhood, in the um, civic life? When are you there? Some of this, Caleb, comes out of, in addition to how much we focus theologically in the book on God's agency. And also ought to mention in Christian anthropology, um, humans are subjects, not objects. Mm. Corporate marketing is about making people into objects, consumers. Mm-hmm. But living life with God on the ground means every neighbor is a subject. They're not an object. And so how do we live among neighbors as they are subjects that God is engaged with so that we can participate with what God is doing there and not just treat them as part of a marketing campaign or part of a strategy? Mm. Yeah. That's so good. You know, I I want to go back to um, something that Mark, I think I think you mentioned, and you know, I w- I would love both of your takes on this. Is um, and it's so true. Is that sometimes you know, as Christians, or even just in, I think we're 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 becoming more and more like we don't know how to have conversations with people. How how have you guys? become more intentional about learning to develop your own conversational skills. I don't have a lot of trouble as you can tell yeah. talking and, and listening. This is, but it's, but you're, you know, it is something I've mentioned because constant feedback we get when we're coaching churches, is just that mm-hmm. saying my, my congregation doesn't know their neighbors. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to have a conversation. And, I'm often just stumped. What do you mean you don't know how to yeah. have a conversation? But it, so at times then we've started giving them questions. You know, first start by saying hi. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how are you? Your yard looks great. Um, tell me about your dog. Uh, yeah. I mean, these are not hard things yeah. to do, right? If you want some questions, you know, it is how long have you lived in the neighborhood? You know, what do you like most about living here? Yeah. Um, you know, or one of the things I like about our neighborhood is X. How about you? Mm-hmm. It's just, it doesn't have to get complicated. I've been stunned both in my neighborhood walks as well as I hike a lot in the, in the mountains nearby. And those are kind of my two main places to walk. Mm-hmm. Um, God has prepared people for conversations. And I'm stunned by what the Holy Spirit is doing, just as Paul was with Lydia in Philippi that God's got people ready to mm-hmm. engage. And if you're listening, talking, 
um, if you're out there, then those conversations can take form. Mm -hmm. In in our uh, churches, in our Latino churches, the idea of testimonies. Mm -hmm. Can you say something about God in your in your um, in your um, in your church in in your life? Oh, is God working in your life? Can you tell us what is going on? And that is that is something that in most uh, Hispanic churches, you listen to people. Mm -hmm. How is God working in your life? So Juan, would you say in the Latino community, this wouldn't be true in, in the white community, but it seems that in black and Latino communities, it's even a little more okay if you run into a neighbor from your cultural background to at times mm -hmm. use God language. Mm -hmm. God's blessed me, you know. I'm, yes, you I'm can happy. say that. And you can tell, and you can ask them, how is God working in your life? See, we don't quite that, have that advantage. We've forgotten God yeah. since the enlightenment yeah. over in our white community. Uh, but yeah. I still yeah. am surprised at how often a neighbor will bring it up, a white, yeah. including white neighbors, because yeah. where God's prepared them for that conversation. Yeah. And that, that conversation is part of what happens in the life of the church and then in the life of the community. Yeah. What's God? What's God uh, doing in your in your neighborhood? What is God doing in your life? Mm. That is part of uh, something that you can uh, you can ask, and in in if in the church you can ask what's going on. Uh, for an example, in our church, you'll break up into uh, groups. Tell tell the people that you're in the group what's going on. And I think that that, of course, that's not work. That does not work in, in white communities. You know where that works with us right now, Juan, is connecting back to our neighborhood groups, which you know about. Um, our church on Sunday morning now will say, you know, for those of you who are out with your neighbors, what have you seen? Mm. Uh, are you seeing God take some initiatives? So those stories are coming back into Sunday morning. Yeah. Mm. That's awesome. And so that, yeah, so that has been. How can you build that into the church? Uh, real, real quick, I wanted to ask you guys. I have two questions left, and if you if you have to stop at fifteen after an hour, that's great. I'll just ask one. But if you have time for two, I'll ask two. Give it a try. We may decide we're out of time. Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're good. No, I I just want to be respectful of your guys' time and Thank everything. You. Okay. Great. You know, you, uh, you you both have mentioned so much throughout this that this um, developing this type of community, paying attention into the neighborhood and everything. It's not it's not about strategy. It's not about tactics and everything. And this this might be semantics in it, but I think part of it is about developing skills through it. Like we've talked about becoming a better conversationalist, becoming someone who is um, who is a great listener in that as well. I would love to hear from the both of you of like, what is a, a skill that you would say, like, if you want to, um, like, if you just want to make the most of this and be present to what God is doing in your neighborhood, this is a skill to develop in it. And Mark, maybe we can start with you. And then Juan, you can give us your thoughts too. Yeah, we'll often use the word competencies or capacities mm -hmm. because skills do get 
too narrow, but they are, yeah. you know, skills is another word for a lot of what we're talking about. But we want, we want to expand capacity, expand heart, expand mm -hmm. imagination and, and um, readiness. Because often a skill is just how do I execute X? Yeah. And instead, we're wanting to be how God is transforming us to be more participative. So that's kind of the shift we're after. Um, and so in the community, I want our, it takes time to develop mm -hmm. among believers the capacity for listening, mm -hmm. the capacity for expecting God to be active, and at times even identifying that. The capacity to, we use the words around experiment and improvise, mm -hmm. rather than set a goal and meet your goal, which often is getting in the way. Mm -hmm. um, so in the midst of improvising, which is again what Paul's team was doing, you try things and then you pay attention to what's happening on the ground. Mm -hmm. It didn't work. What's happening in your dreams? What's happening in your prayer times? So all those are about paying attention. So if I were to talk about a skill, it would be attending or paying attention. Mm -hmm. And that means I've got to pay attention, not just what's going to serve my goals. That's I've got to start letting go of that. Mm -hmm. And I want to pay attention to what God wants me to pay attention to. Lord, what do you want me to see on this walk? Um, Lord, who do you want me to hear from? Um, what stories do you want to generate at church this week? And so we back off on control um, and we move more toward kind of an imaginative, improvisational approach to life. Um, just before Wands and my our new editions just coming out this month, um, last year I wrote a book with Al Roxborough called God's Agency um, Dis Disruptions and Leadership. And in that, we're, we're continuing to expand on this theme that if God is both disrupting and creating, we need to be we need to new develop new capacities for paying attention to that. And then improvising. Is this what we're getting, God? Is this what you want us to see? Mm -hmm. So I'd say if there's one kind of bundle, it's that attending and improvising. It's discerning and trying things. It, it goes back to the whole praxis and PT cycle that your first question was about, yeah. right? What's it mean to be a disciple? It doesn't mean to get everything right. It means to be a constant learner with the spirit on the ground. Mm -hmm. I guess in the Hispanic church, the listening to the uh, to the uh, um, testimonies mm -hmm. and creating creating uh, 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 a uh, um, a new uh, in in the uh, in the church. Can you create a uh, a sense a uh, sense of listening and a sense of uh, 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 and a sense of 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 the church uh, giving testimony? And I think what what Marcus told us is that. Yeah. And you get the people to say, this is what God is doing in our life. This is what God is doing in our neighborhood. This is what God has has done in our church. And that that concept. And then, because that concept then will, will create a hearing and a test and, uh, and what God is doing. You know, in our class, one, and I, I, I think we both kept picking it up. Um, testimony is often just means here's how I met Jesus. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. Or here's how God healed me. It's got to be categories. Mm -hmm. um, I give a three minute exercise and we do this in church and in my classes. Um, so think about a time where as far as you know, God um, initiated something. Mm -hmm. So give me the background. What was the setting? Here's where I was. Here's what was going on. Enough background to understand the event. Don't take more than a minute. Tell me then what you think God did. Here's what happened that I think God was doing. So the best of your understanding, describe how God acted. And mm -hmm. then tell me what was the consequence of that? What happened to you? What happened to somebody else? What are you trying now? What's it got you wondering about? Do that in three minutes. As you know, you got folks at church, if you ask them testimony, it's not of the sermon. So, yeah. so we re these are skills we don't have, to use your language. Yeah. And so, so three minutes, give us enough background to understand. Tell us what you think God did, even if it's not, you're not absolutely sure. Say, I think this is what God was doing. Here's something I saw. And then tell them the consequences and you were, were on the ground or in somebody else. And that framework of testimony has increased in our church, the number of people that are willing to give testimonies. Mm -hmm. Because you don't have to do the 15-minute speech that so-and-so gives. Um, it's really clear. The pastor's right there. There's other people doing it. We're getting mm -hmm. models. And that's made a big difference for us. And in class, I'll tell you, they can get started on these things. And I buy, you know, it's absolutely stunning what God does in a seminary classroom. That's so good. You know, the the last thing I just want to ask that both of you and I do this in all of my interviews is, and I know that this could be a very, we, we could keep talking for forever, but is there anything just top of mind that we haven't talked about that either one of you want to make sure that we mentioned it? Mark, maybe we can start with you. And then Juan, you can kind of have uh, the final word. Um, I would just emphasize a couple of things we've said already. Um, to understand this as theology, mm -hmm. this re theology means we're we're walking with God, we're learning better based upon all the skills we've dropped, and the, the brokenness in our society and in our churches came from someplace. And the only way we're going to move toward salvation, toward um, better life with God, is by taking these things seriously. Um, and there's risk and cost in that. And our society needs it more than ever mm -hmm. because of the ways that these issues we thought had gotten some level of settling, but they've become even more pronounced and ugly in the last decade. And so we, we really do want to live with God in this. And that means live better with scripture, live better in prayer, live better among neighbors and among our churches so that we're paying attention better and that we're trying some things by the power of the Holy Spirit to see real reconciliation, to see deeper relationships. And I will say, amen. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, Mark and Juan, I know that people are going to, you know, want to keep up with the both of you and get uh, the second edition now of your book, Churches, Cultures, and Leadership. Where's the best place for people to go to keep up with you guys and get the book? Well, uh, InterVarsity Press. Um, is the publisher. They're great folks. Um, it's online there. Um, all the normal book ordering places online or go to your local bookstore and ask them to order it for you. Um, is another way uh, to get it. Um, I think we're both pretty searchable online. I know if you want to connect with us uh, more formally, um, go to Fuller Seminary, put my name in and I can connect with you or get you in touch with one. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for just uh, 
such a great and very encouraging conversation to me, at least personally. I'm very grateful for it. And thank you both for, for doing the work too and for just deciding to pass it on to future generations, to churches and church leaders and everything. I really appreciate it so much. Thank you, Kayla. We appreciate it. Thank you. So coming out of that conversation, here's a couple of things that I'm thinking about. It reminds me of something that, you know, my my friend and mentor Kevin West told me almost, man, probably about a decade ago. As he would tell me, you know, Caleb, slow with people is, man, it is longer. <laughs> man, it just hit me. It is much longer than a decade ago. Uh, but slow with people is fast and fast with people is slow. And what Mark and Juan are talking about in this book is very slow work, but it's worth it and it's worthwhile. And sometimes we get so consumed in wanting the results or wanting to go so fast that we miss out and we forget that fast with people is slow. And slow with people as fast. Are we willing to slow down to the speed of the other people? And I think the other thing is, is that being in community with somebody or loving somebody or trying to form the type of community that they're talking about costs everybody something. Like you don't, that type of community, that type of relationship, that type of love is only built through sacrifice. And it requires different things of many different people. Maybe it requires being misunderstood or it requires laying down our ego or, or it requires surrendering our way. Whatever that is, it costs us something. But again, it's worth it because of, of what you experience. You experience the kingdom of God, you know, among the, among the congregation or amongst the, the city. And so those are a couple of things that I'm thinking about from this conversation. Some of the things that have got me just really, just really thinking. And so if you want to keep up with me and other things that are, you know, making me think some of the other things that I'm learning from, please subscribe to my newsletter where I share just all the things that are making me think, all the things that I'm learning from. And that could be many, 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 many different things. And all you have to do is go to the show notes and subscribe to the newsletter and you can get all of that stuff. And so, yeah. And so I do want to say thank you to Mark and to Juan for being on the podcast and for such a wonderful conversation. Thank you uh, to St. Massey as well for creating the music for this podcast. And thank you for listening all the way to the end of the episode. My name is Caleb Mason. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing.